America did not exist. Four centuries of work, bloodshed, loneliness, and fear created this land. We built America, and the process made us Americans. Welcome aboard the Liberty Bell. I'm your captain, Horace Bixby, and my pilot with me here on the Texas deck is a young cub that goes by the name of Sam Clements. Home sweet home is the lesson today. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. W-W-W. Your information station. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 229 for the week of July 3rd, 2011. I'll kick off the show this week with an announcement of the latest release of my audio walking tours of Walt Disney World, as we set off for the Wild West of Frontierland. I'll tell you more about the latest in the series, including what's new, a few changes, and how and where you can get it. I'll then open up the inbox to answer more of your listener emails, where you can learn to enjoy and appreciate Walt Disney World even more with questions about kids' clubs at Walt Disney World, getting from here to there, and back again, working at Walt Disney World, some recommended Disney books, Bay Lake Towers, Disneyland, and more. We'll also answer a few probative questions, including one about the future of Walt Disney World that I want you to answer as well. I'll then have a few announcements, including more information about our charity auctions, Disney Book Club, and our new Disney at Home series and contest on the blog. Then I'll put you on the air and play some of your voicemails at the end of the show. So sit back... Relax and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. Be sure and visit the website at wdwradio.com for all of our back episodes, show notes, blog, discussion forums, videos, and lots more including the WDW Radio Store, where you can purchase my Walt Disney World trivia books and audio guides to Walt Disney World. Be sure and subscribe to the show in iTunes. And while you're there, download the free WDW Radio app and the all-new Walt Disney World trivia app with more than 750 multiple-choice questions, descriptive answers, and hundreds of did-you-know facts and figures. Also be sure and join us live every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for the WDW Newscast, live video broadcast and interactive chat. And you can also get together with other Disney fans at our Meets of the Month in Walt Disney World and other Disney events throughout the year. You can find out more over at DisneyMeets.com. And for more information, updates, and to follow along with everything that's going on, you can follow me over on Twitter. I am at Lou Mangiello. And join the WDW Radio page at Facebook.com slash WDW Radio.
About four years ago, I started working on an idea that I had been thinking about for some time. My first Walt Disney World trivia book had been published about three years earlier, and I'd been sharing my passion through a relatively new medium called podcasting since early 2005. But I always wanted to share more and in different ways, and while I felt that the podcast was a much more powerful medium than anything I could write in a book or on a website, we called them articles in the old days before they were called blogs, I enjoyed the ability to not only describe things better, but immerse the listener into the topic or area that I was describing. But what I really enjoyed most was wandering the parks with friends and family and being able to share the details, stories, history, and overlooked experiences in person and be able to point it out while they were right there. And from that, the idea for a series of audio walking tours of the parks on CD was born. And rather than try and cram an entire park onto an 80-minute CD, an impossible task, I assure you, I thought about breaking down the parks individually and starting with a land-by-land tour of the Magic Kingdom. So starting with a detailed walk down Main Street, USA, I wanted to narrate your way around Town Square and through every shop and past every window, pointing out all the details on your journey, all the ambient sounds of the park behind you in sort of three-dimensional sound. So when you hear me talking about the Walt Disney World Railroad train station, you may hear the train whistle in the distance and the sound of the train approaching from one side or the other. By the Harmony Barbershop, you might hear the sound of a horse-drawn trolley just outside, maybe the laughs of some children who are rushing over to the castle. So after I finished Main Street, I continued on through Adventureland, Fantasyland, Liberty Square, even Mickey's Toontown Fair as it prepared to close forever, taking sort of snapshots in time and also letting you learn more about the overriding story of the Magic Kingdom, the connections to Walt Disney, little bits of trivia, and the stories behind everything you're experiencing along the way. Well, now I'm pleased to announce the release of the latest in the audio tour series, Frontierland. Walt Disney once said, all of us have a cause to be proud of our country's history, shaped by the pioneering spirit of our forefathers. Our adventures are designed to give you the feeling of having lived, even for a short while, during our country's pioneer days. So in this audio tour, we're going to head out to the wild west of Frontierland of Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom. Unlike the dangerous realities of the real early American frontier, We're going to take a look at the glorified and the romanticized west of the movies, television, and tall tales. So our journey through the Walt Disney World Resort continues on from our last trip through Liberty Square. We're going to see how the two lands are connected, also go through real American history, folklore, and westward expansion. We'll look at the frontier land that never was, with a look back in time at Thunder Mesa and the Western River Expedition. We're then going to journey through frontier land from where we left off in Liberty Square. We'll follow America's expansion westward and through time at the history and hidden details of attractions such as the Liberty Bell and Tom Sawyer Island. We'll cross the Mississippi into this growing western town, into all the shops and their individual histories, as well as those of every attraction like the Country Bear Jamboree. We'll see what was there on opening day and what became of extinct restaurants, shops, and even some attractions. Along the way, I'll point out the stories behind everything you see, as well as look at some incredibly detailed locations, including Pecos Bills and the Golden Oak. Of course, 
We'll talk about the stories, history, and details of the Splash and Big Thunder Mountains and how everything ties in with the real stories of the Old West, the growth of America as a nation, ties to Walt Disney and Disneyland, and the people who made Walt's dream a reality. The audio tour to Frontierland is available now as an instant download at www.radio.com. You'll get all 13 tracks, including liner notes and all artwork, including cover art and back art. But this guide's also going to be a little bit different than the previous ones. In the past, I've unfortunately been limited by the 80-minute constraints of a normal CD. That meant that I've had to cut out a great deal of content, stories, and details on past CDs in order to make them fit onto a single disc. This time, I'm going to release the entire, unedited version of Frontierland as a download today in the WW Radio store over at www.radio.com shop. The download is available right now, and it's just $7.99. And when you download the tour, you're going to get a series of MP3 files that you can listen to on your computer or put right on your iPhone, iPod device, or any MP3 player. The abridged CD is going to be available for pre-order, but please note that the CD is going to be edited down for time to fit on the disc and will not be shipping until September. The CD is also going to be priced at $9.99 plus shipping. But to learn more, see the cover art and a track list, and to order, you can visit www.radio.com, click on the shop link. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoy the guided audio walking tours of Walt Disney World. this show and the audio guides and the books and the magazines, I hope to help to try and enhance your enjoyment and your appreciation of the Walt Disney World parks and resorts in lots of different ways. And in addition to bringing you content, whether it be reviews, interviews, top tens, DSIs, or other types of segments, I want to answer your specific questions about your trips and the parks and the history and anything else that you might want to ask. And joining me once again to help answer some of those questions that we open up the inbox, and I promise to get to them all at some point, is Becky Mankin from MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. Becky, my friend, welcome back. Hey, Lou. It's great to be back on the show again. It's It really has always been once too. And I'll tell you, recently when Disney said that they were crowning a new Disney princess, the first name that I thought of was yours. They said it was Rapunzel, but <laughs> I, I thought it was going to be you. Oh, okay. You're trying to get on my good side before all the questions. Is that because what you're trying to say? Because when you think about Disney travel, when you think about answering emails, when you think about Disney princesses, the first name that should come to mind is Becky Mankin from MouseFanTravel.com. You are so sweet. I, can I get a tiara for that? You just got a plug. <laughs> <laughs> a plug and a tiara. Excellent. Got it. I'll so go listen, Becky, we, we have got a ton of emails in the inbox, and I feel so bad because we just don't have time to get to them all. So let's get through as many as we can. And again, like I said, I promise I'm going to have you back on if you behave, and we're going to get to even more. I promise we will get to inbox zero at some point for, uh, for listener emails. Okay, good luck with that. That whole behave thing, just saying. Right. 
But that being said, if you guys do have a question you want me to answer on the show, with or without Becky Mankin, uh, you wow. can email me at lou at www.radio.com. And like I said, I, I promise if I can't email you directly back, we'll definitely get to it on the show. Sound good? I, I feel like I should be wearing a red shirt and Star Trek or something. This is enough of that chit-chat, <laughs> yak-yak, flim-flam thing. Listen, we got no. emails to go to. Let's no. move. The first email, uh, you know, it. I, I thought it was Jesus. I think it's probably Jesus. But if Jesus was emailing the show, that would be even more epic. He says, hey, Lou and Becky, love the podcast. Been a listener for about a year and a half. I've been planning our first trip for about three years. But every time I'm about to make a reservation, something happens in life. But next year, it's going to be a for sure that me and my wife are going to Walt Disney World. It's going to be our fifth year anniversary. And I was wondering if you and the lovely Becky Mankin, I added that part, could help me out with a special dinner or something because it's our first trip to Walt Disney World. Also, being our first trip, we want to just go ourselves, but we have a three-year-old boy. Should we take our son or just enjoy our trip alone? It's our very, very late honeymoon Sent from the official WW Radio iPhone app. Thank you. That comes from Jesus. Jesus, my answer to you is that you can do both. You can have your cake, my friend, and eat it too because you can take your son and enjoy your trip alone. And Becky, you're probably saying, what do you mean? How could you possibly do that, Mangello? No, actually, I know how you could possibly do that, Mangello. <laughs> but the Libra and me is coming out on this one, too, because you could go either way. Obviously, Disney World is a place to make memories and no better way to do that than having your family with you. But, of course, there are some child care options that are available if you want to have the family with you, but still have some time, just the two of you, for that special late honeymoon. Yeah, I did kind of go back and forth on this one because there was the part of me that said, this is your opportunity to enjoy Walt Disney World as adults, in a very romantic way, it's not like a lot of people think. It's not all about little kids and Dumbo and Cinderella. There's a lot of fun that you guys can have as adults and wonderful meals. And then I said, well, look, you know, you're going. You have the opportunity. You can make some incredible memories. I think three years old is a, is a great way to uh, – a great age to take your child to go. And he could be a part of that late honeymoon but still have Tom and Norman. And that's, Jesus, how I'm going to approach this is that I recommend – you take your son uh, with you and sort of have uh, a late kind of non-traditional honeymoon because you can. You can do a lot of adult-oriented things. You can have a wonderful me meal over at California Grill for six or seven hours, watch Wishes, go walk <laughs> on the Polynesian Beach. We've talked, Becky, a lot mm -hmm. about some of those rom romantic options. But one thing that I've done, and we're going to talk about this uh, in a separate segment on the show in the future, is I have brought my kids to what Disney calls the Children's Activity Centers. And those are locations inside a number of the Disney Resort hotels that has supervised activity centers. Uh, they have video games and dinner and they have snacks. They watch movies. They do crafts. And there's a lot of other kids their age. And I will tell you, Becky, that having put both my kids in there so that I can either go to events or do something uh, with my wife. They love it. And actually, they look forward to going because they've enjoyed them so much. Yeah, we get great feedback from clients that take their kids and, and leave them at the, uh, at the Kids Activity Center. A again, it's a wonderful, safe option for your kids, keeps them engaged and really, again, part of the Disney magic, but allows the parents to step away and have some time to themselves. I actually might bring my children on the show to talk about their favorites because I'm trying <laughs> to get them to go to all of them. So they've been to the Neverland, the Neverland Club over at 
Disney's Polynesian Resort. They've been to the Sandcastle Club, which they love over at Yacht and Beach Club. Uh, they've been to the Mouseketeer Club over at Disney's Grand Floridian Resort and Spa. They have yet to go to Camp Dolphin over at the uh, Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin and Simba's Clubhouse over at Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge. Very briefly, Jesus, uh, the cost per child is eleven fifty per hour. There's a two-hour minimum charge. So if you want to just go and have a nice dinner, so if you want to go to Yachtsman Steakhouse, you can drop them off over the Sandcastle Club Uh you know, as somebody who's admittedly always been an overprotective parent, I've never had any sort of concerns about uh, bringing the kids there. Only you can check them in and out for eleven fifty per hour for what they get to do. Um, you know, and that sort of safety and security, know that they're going to have a good time there. I think it's money well spent. Uh, another option for you as well is something called Kids Night Out. And this is something, Becky, I've started doing uh, even more often because the kids clubs close about midnight, but Kids Night Out, if you are going to have a very late night somewhere, they will come to your room and they do one-on-one in-room babysitting. Obviously, it is an additional cost. It is not from Walt Disney World Resort, but it is one that is uh, recommended uh, by them. And they're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, We've used them uh, probably three or four times with different sitters coming to the room at different resorts. And uh, again, my kids love it because they come in there prepared to do crafts and all that kind of stuff. They don't take them out. They don't go to the pool. They stay in the room, but they very much keep them occupied. And when they're ready to go to sleep, Becky, uh, you know, if you're having a late night meal like you and I often have, uh, you know, they'll stay obviously in the room with them for however long you need them. All right, and that's another service that gets great reviews from a lot of the uh, the clients and a lot of the parents that we work with. Um, you know, I'm going to go to the third option really quickly, and I'm going to speak for all the grandparents out there for a second. Leave the kid with the grandparents and let them have a wonderful <laughs> week with their grandchildren and, you know, go and enjoy Disney as two adults. There's just two different sides to look at that one. <laughs> or there's a new service called Aunt Becky's. And you can take them to Becky's uh, room, usually over at Disney's Boardwalk. <laughs> 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 and she'll be happy to watch your kids. Uh, rum is at an additional cost. so Sure. All right. So wait, wait a minute. We've totally glossed over the special dinner, though, right? Boy. I mean, this is one of the things, you know, we've talked about meals and talked about some of those romantic dinners. We could probably and, and normally do talk for hours about it. But give them the one place, Becky. Give them that one special yes, dinner. If one. One. You get one only one. <gasps> I can't do one. You know I can't do one. You have to. But, but there's a couple of things that you can do because, of course, the activity centers, if they're, you know, close, like the I Yacht Club, you Beach Club, right? <laughs> well, the Sandcastle Club, right? You can put right. the, children, the child in the Sandcastle Club and then you could also, you could go to dinner at Yachtsman and then follow up with a romantic pontoon boat for two for illuminations. Very nice. Very That's nice. A, I like there's that. one. Or California Grill and Narcosis with fireworks. Or you can go to Victorian Albert's. There was my one. <laughs> yeah, that's like a Lou Mangiello one. One is about top 10s or about top 76s. Those are all I'm great options. Uh, I think that that is probably what I would recommend is that uh, if you are going to use the kids clubs, try and do it maybe at a resort that you're going to go eat at. So I think Narcusis, Citrigos, if you really want to go all out, Victorian Alberts. It, look, it's your honeymoon. You've waited five years for it. Really treat yourself. Get dressed up. Put the kids in the Mouseketeer Club, go upstairs, uh, have a wonderful meal at Victorian Alberts. You can go outside and you can watch the water pageant. You can take a moonlight cruise, like you said, do something like the Grand One. And as long as you pick the kids up by midnight, uh, you are good to go. See, and now you have your, your next trip with your wife and your kids all laid out. Absolutely. 
sponsored by <laughs> MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. All right, we got to move on. We got to move Go. on because the next email from Stephen Wood said, Hey, Lou, here's one for a future email podcast. Only you can handle a question like this, which probably means it's about food. After retiring from my primary career, I'd love to quote unquote retire to Disney. Stephen, you are not alone. By this, I would move to Orlando and work at Walt Disney World. However, to make my retirement enjoyable, I would need the proper Disney job. One of my ideal Disney jobs would be to captain a ferry boat, such as the one that transports visitors to and from the Magic Kingdom and the Wilderness Lodge. What can I do now to ensure a spot as a Disney ferry boat captain in my golden years? Or in other words, what does it take and what's the process for becoming a Disney boat handler? Thanks, Lou. Love your podcast. That is from Stephen in Stamford, Connecticut. Stephen, I love... Uh, I love the plan. I love the long-term plan. And like I said, you are not alone as one who desires to and has done exactly that. They've quote-unquote retired. They've sold everything, moved down to Florida, um, and sort of spent their quote-unquote retirement as a cast member. Yeah, and if you were my husband, he wants to drive a bus. So between him and driving a bus, I think we're good. (laughs) Uh, You know, the difficulty, Stephen, obviously lies in the fact that you're not looking to retire next week. It could be next year. It could be five years from now. So ensuring a spot as a Disney ferry boat captain might be kind of tough. But when you're getting ready and when you are starting to think about it, that's when to go to a place like DisneyCareers.com or to contact the casting center and say, hey, I want to apply. What's the process? Because it very well may change between now and then. Uh, you may be able to apply online or, or call up or go to the casting center when you're down there. And when next time you visit, go talk to the ferry captain. Find out how they got that job because sometimes it, it's, uh, it wasn't planned. You know, sometimes they sort of fall into that job and end up loving it and doing it for years. Yeah, speaking with a lot of um, the cast members that I know from several of the meets that work there, that's kind of what happened. They walked in, they went to casting or they looked online and they saw what was available and uh, just kind of went for the job and found other opportunities and ended up in the the roles that they're in. Yeah, and listen, it it is a great way to spend your quote-unquote retirement. When when the Magic Kingdom, when the ferry boat is your office and how you get to spend your day, I can see why it's something you would want to look forward to doing. So good luck. Um, Let us know how it goes, Stephen. If and when you become your ferry boat captain, definitely, uh, definitely email me and let me know. All right. Moving on from Jeanette, a longtime listener from Aliquippa, Pennsylvania. She says, Lou, can you give me a list of three to four books about Disney, mostly Walt Disney World history? I'm mostly looking for a book with all the stories behind the attractions, the parks, the resorts, dining locations, etc. And obviously, Anything with Jim Corcus would be a plus. She really did say that. Uh, again, longtime listener, Jeanette. Jeanette, this too uh, has been and will be again a complete segment on the show. I think a number of years we talked about some of our favorite books, uh, sort of necessary books in any Disney fans or Disney historians library. Certainly The Vault of Walt by Jim Corcus is a great book uh, with stories from Jim where he's had a ch- an opportunity to talk to a lot of the people who helped create Walt Disney World. Uh, I'm not going to give you three or four. I'm probably going to end up rattling off a bunch of them. Uh, I'll try and put links in the show notes to these. But John Hench has a book called Designing Disney, 
uh, where he talks about, obviously, the design of the Disney theme parks. Uh, the Art of Walt Disney World came out about two years ago. You're going to hear the name Jeff Curdy over and over and over again. He and Bruce Gordon collaborated on that. You can only get it at Walt Disney World. It is a beautiful book with lots of artwork and concept art in it. Um, Jeff Curdy also has Walt Disney's Imagineering Legends and the genesis of the Disney theme parks. Here he sort of talks to you about the people, the individuals from Imagineering, from WED, that help design and create and build Walt Disney World. Again, a lot of concept artwork there. Um, Charlie Ridgway's book, Spinning Disney's World, Memories of a Magic Kingdom Press Agent, is a great sort of storybook as well, where he recounts his, his personal experiences, not only working with Walt, but in uh, helping to open and uh, publicize Walt Disney World when it came out. Uh, Dave Smith's book, he remember the former archivist for uh, the Disney archives, he has Disney, the first 100 years, which is a chronological look back at the company as a whole, certainly a lot about uh, the Disney parks in there as well. Um, let's see, Walt Disney wow. World, then now and forever, <laughs> again by Jeff Curdy and Bruce Gordon. Um, that's, it's sort of like a, a scrapbook format, really like that. The seminal book that you must have, Jeanette, is again... Jeff Curdy's Since the World Began. It's about uh, Walt Disney World for that first 25 years. Uh, it's a great book, and it really is one of the ones uh, for my interview, if you heard my interview with Jeff, that got me really deeply interested in the history and the details of Walt Disney World. And one other book, quick to recommend, is a recent book called Four Decades of Magic, Celebrating the First 40 Years of Walt Disney World. That's a compilation of essays, Jim Corcus has an essay in there. I have an essay in there. Uh, a number of others, uh, authors and bloggers have essays in there, sort of celebrating the uh, the 40th anniversary of Walt Disney World. Jeanette, the list goes on and on. Come on down to the Mangello <laughs> Library and, um, and take a look-see. I, I, I got to say, somewhere in my life I have to find time to read because <laughs> I have not read any of these. I'm really sad to say. And go ahead, beat me up all you want on that one. I'm either I'll, – I'll wait for the movie. I, oh. <laughs> I literally am sitting here head in hand, just shaking my head. You travel back and forth from Seattle to Orlando like twice a week. That's 12 quality hours. I know what I'm buying you for your, your 21st birthday. Books on tape. No, no, no. You can't see content. <laughs> Becky, a lot of these books, are they're beautiful to look at. And that's why you need to sort of get that print book. They could never translate right. well into a digital format. Right, I totally agree. The um, remember Jeff Curdy again, his book that they gave us on the dream, the concept art and all the information of the building of the dream. I really did enjoy that one. It was it was short, it was easy to go through, but there was a lot of concept art and a lot of information. Yeah, that's really a, cool. That's a perfect Becky book. It's short with lots of pictures. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Uh, if other wow. people have any other recommendations. <laughs> Please post them in this week's show notes over at www.radio.com. I know that there are many that I overlooked, uh, but tell us about some of your favorites, ones that you feel must be in every Disney fans or Disney historian's library. Moving on, Greg's question says, Hey, Lou, I'll be at Walt Disney World soon. I have an ADR for Chef Mickey's. Becky, an ADR is a dining reservation. Uh, I was wondering what's the best way to get there from no. all-star resorts. Can I bus it to the Magic Kingdom and walk if so, where is this famed path? Thanks so much, Greg. Greg, I think you answered your own question. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's the easiest way to go. The buses from All-Star will take you right 
to the entrance of the Magic Kingdom, to the right-hand side of the gates. If you just keep walking right and follow the walk around the world bricks, uh, right on the opposite side, under the monorail beam, that'll take you right past the uh, security gate and into the Contemporary Resort. And um, and there you can eat your your to your heart's content in the shadow of the monorail at Chef Mickey's. All right. There are a couple of other options as well. Obviously, you can take a taxi, which is an easy drive right from one resort to door to door, resort to resort. And of course, there are some character breakfast buses that start running at 6.30 a.m. too. Just double check with the guest services at your resort to see what options are available for those early morning ADRs, which are, by the way, advanced dining reservations, Lou. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Why do you need me? Just, just, just ask it. Stefan from Westminster, (laughs) Maryland sends his email from the official and free WW Radio iPhone app. He says, hey, Lou, I'll be going back to Walt Disney World for the sixth consecutive year after my dad bought my family, wait for it, a DVC membership. And this year, my mom wants to stay at the Bay Lake Towers. I like your parents, Stefan. I heard it's not great studio-wise, but I was wondering, what are some pluses and what are some negatives? Thanks for the help. Again, that's Stefan. Um, Becky, I, I think that Stefan's email definitely addressed something that when Bay Lake Tower opened, a number of people felt, myself included, was mm-hmm. with the layout of the studios. And I, I'm talking about it in the past tense because my understanding, Becky, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that they have been updated because the issue that I found was while they are beautifully appointed very modern furnishing, certainly Bay Lake Tower, the views, the proximity to the Magic Kingdom. But the thing that I found sort of off-putting was when you walked in on, say, for the left side would be, um, you know, the, the shower and, and the toilet. But the sink was in sort of the next little alcove on the left-hand side. And you would look at, you would, you would look at the sink to wash your face or brush your teeth. And then you would look up and in the mirror you would see behind you the microwave and the sink. So it kind of shared space with the little kitchenette, which I kind of thought was was just odd. Uh, it was odd. Yeah. It was truly odd where you're you're brushing your teeth or combing your hair. And you, if you have someone trying to get ready and someone trying to make coffee, it's literally like having your kitchen in your bathroom. And it was very uncomfortable and not exactly the best. And, and I want to also preface to say that or be sure to say that um, that was only in the studios. So it, it doesn't impact the one bedrooms or the, the two bedroom or, or the grand villas. But that was a scenario that was set up in the studios, which was uncomfortable. Yeah, it was just, it was odd. Even, I mean, <laughs> obviously if you're staying in a studio with someone, you're obviously very comfortable with them, but sort of looking up and seeing the microwave behind me as I'm brushing my teeth just sort of threw me off a little bit. Now, I have, have not been back since they have updated. I know that they uh, did redo them. Again, you're talking about a grand total of about 300 square feet, so there's not a mm-hmm. lot of room to maneuver. Do you know offhand, Becky, how they have rearranged the rooms? Honestly, I don't. I have not looked into that. I knew, I did hear that with all of the feedback that they received about the the odd configuration that they were going to look at some fixes for it. I have not seen the fixes, nor do I know if it's it has been rolled out across the entire property at this point. But uh, that should be something we should uh, – I, I think that needs research, don't you think? Absolutely. Uh, I agree. Big, I would say the big pluses, though, um, if they do 
fix that part on studio wise. The big plus is, is obviously the location being the walking distance to the Magic Kingdom, the monorail, the contemporary, easy to get around. And the one thing I do like, especially when you're on DVC points coming from a vacation planner, when you're staying on points, you get access to the top of the world lounge yeah, there at Bay Lake Tower, which is, is a really nice perk to be able to go up there and, and watch Wishes or to indulge in some of their appetizers. And they do have a lot of good food offerings and some interesting um, beverage offerings as well. So it's, it's something to take advantage of. Yeah, I'm sensing when we take this research trip, um, we need to go up to the top of the world lounge again. I, I sense a video segment coming in our near future because I was surprised when we stayed there last time separately. Um, how much <laughs> I and just to be clear, how much wow. I enjoy really? <laughs> going up to the top of the world at the end of the night or even to watch wishes. What an amazing view of mm-hmm. uh, of the Magic Kingdom and. The food there, I mean, the appetizers were phenomenal, let alone the desserts. Oh, and remember they had just rolled out that new menu that had the... Um, the sliders. The, yes. The chicken you, sliders. The, and they had the dessert. I was always I was so focused on that dessert. I can't help it. But I think we sat down literally and, and went, okay, we want one of everything because there was so <laughs> many great choices. And there were three of us and we shared it all. It, was, it pretty much took the place of a, of a table sit-down meal. This is why I like traveling with you. So. That's why I like traveling with you because it's just one of everything. Well, go for it. You exactly. know, all right, the small menu. Let's let's make sure that because it, it was a tester menu, but I'm sure that they were getting great feedback from um, the items that they were rolling out. So hopefully that has uh, has become more of a permanent addition to the menu. Yeah, and because you can only get up there if you are staying at Bay Lake Tower on DVC points. There's usually not a lot of people up there, so it is very quiet. It is very intimate. There's a small room off to the side, uh, very, very comfortable couches and tables and chairs, so really, really like Top of the World. Yeah, and you want to get up there a little early before if you're going up to watch the uh, the fireworks because that's, of course, when it gets the busiest, and it's a little hard to find a, a, a seating location. But um, anytime an hour before it, afterwards, there's definitely a lot of space and a lot of room. Absolutely. So the next email comes from Daniel. He says, Lou, your podcast is as entertaining as it is provocative. And here's the question it has provoked. We have the Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Hollywood Studios, and Disney's Animal Kingdom. If you had to conceive of a fifth park, I know they have the space, says Daniel, what would the theme and nature of the park be? Wow. fan, Daniel. Hmm. So I'm going to give you a couple of seconds to think by saying this is obviously, Becky, one of the things that has been rumored for years and years. And every couple of years, it comes up again that there's going to be a villain theme park. There's going to be a thrill ride park. There's another water park, uh, whatever it might be that's coming. Uh, I'm not sure that a fifth gate is something that might be coming anytime soon because there is so much expansion, not only going on now, but even room for expansion. In all four parks, uh, we see obviously you know, things in Fantasyland. There's room to expand World Showcase and Epcot. Hollywood Studios has a lot of opportunity for expansion. Certainly, Disney's mm-hmm. Animal Kingdom with the rumored Beastly Kingdom. But Becky, if you are, you know, CEO on limited budget for a day or longer, what what is it? What would you like <laughs> to see? What or what do you think is missing, if anything? You know, I I don't think anything is quote unquote missing. I just think there's a lot of opportunity, especially. I'm going to go for the obvious ones because I can't help myself. But wouldn't it be cool to have a gate that was like all things Pixar? Hmm. Interesting. You know, to where you could have, and you know what you just said, if there was a gate that was all um, 
all thrill rides. I wouldn't want that because obviously there's families that, that travel. You would want um, something for everybody in any gate that you open up, right? So with all things, something that was like all things Pixar or even uh, where you got Cars and Toy Story and Up and The Incredibles and Nemo and Food by Ratatouille and you know Monsters Inc. There's a lot of opportunity for attractions and shows and food all wrapped up into the into Pixar. Or you could even mix in or maybe look at the Marvel concept at that point too, on a fifth gate. Yeah, there's there's a lot of opportunities certainly with a lot of the properties that Disney owns yeah. and, and is part of. Uh, certainly, this is one of the questions that I, I really want listener feedback on yeah. because we hear about these things all the time and, and what they would like to build, what they would like to see um, sort of thinking what, what, out loud. Yeah. I'm going to kind of go in a little bit of a different direction because you hit on a point that's very important, which was remember, you know, Disneyland came to be from Walt Disney's desire to have a place that a family could go and enjoy the park together, not sit on a bench and watch, you know, kids ride or vice versa. If you have a mm-hmm. thrill ride with height requirements, now all of a sudden you're excluding kids and vertically challenged people like myself. <laughs> what I do like that Disney has done and is starting to do more of are the interactive experiential kind of things. When I say that, I mean things like Disney's Wild Africa Trek. Right. Something where it's not an attraction per se, but you become immersed in an, an environment, you become immersed in a story, and it's not necessarily about sitting in a ride vehicle and going through or sitting down and watching a show. It very much takes that idea that Walt had of, of bringing the guest into the story into that next level. And I think See? there's there's opportunity there, and it doesn't have to be, and possibly shouldn't be, maybe, themed to a you know, the, the, the flavor of the month through to through the the popular movie that's out right now. It could be something that is more generic. Sort of take some of those concepts maybe from Beastly Kingdom, bring those out, or bring some of the concepts that guests could experience from some of those films and let them experience it different way. Certainly keeping in mind kids, uh, you know, accessibility issues, things like that. I under, you know, this is sort of very, very blue sky off the top of my head. Lack of sleep, need more caffeine thinking. (laughs) Or, you know, when you, as you were saying that, I'm all of a sudden picturing, and you're still going to laugh at me when I say this, but like at the end of the Incredibles, right? Where they, they're trying to take down the, the big monstrous thing that's taking down the city. What if you had some sort of interactive, um, game that was, that you could actually play? Right. Right. That's the type of the concept you're looking at, right? Look at things like about? Kim Possible, what they're bringing yeah. over to Alani. Uh, those right. are the kind of things that offer different sort of gameplay, different sort of role play, something that everybody can be involved in. And it, you know, remember too, if, if we are, if I'm, if I am playing executive, and I have to think about budget and, and shareholders, you can do it possibly without as much of a financial investment. You know the. There's one thing about building onto an existing theme park. It's something. It's a completely different story building a fifth gate. The infrastructure, Becky, that needs to go into preparing the ground for another gate from utilities to... Huge. It's an enormous expense. You're probably talking literally like in the billions with a B of dollars to do it. Yeah, very true. You know, this would be an interesting thing to have a roundtable on because... 
so many concepts, so many options, so many things. And with technology and the leaps and bounds, there's a lot of opportunity. I think so. I think this is something we're going to sort of put put this to the side. We're going to put a little asterisk next to this. We're going to talk about it some more. But to that end, I, I absolutely would love listeners to submit. And by submitting, I mean commenting on this week's show notes at www.radio.com. Find this podcast, go into the show notes there, and, and leave your comments there about what you would like to see in a potential fifth gate. And, and keep some of those realistic limitations in mind, you know, as far as budget is concerned and, and accessibility and children and everything else like that. Very curious to hear what listeners think. Yeah, that'll be interesting. It'll be a good read. Absolutely. Our next email comes all the way from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and Claude Simino. He says, Lou, I'm going to be bringing my family to Walt Disney World for 10 nights at the Polynesian during Mardi Gras next year. I have two questions for you. First, does Port Orleans do a Mardi Gras theme? I'd like to check it out if they do. And secondly, what are some tips for getting the younglings, love the reference, selected to participate in the Jedi <laughs> Training Academy? I love the show. I recently discovered it while searching for good WDW iPhone apps, which he says, by the way, could be a good show topic. Top Walt Disney World iPhone apps. I love it, Claude. I'm working my way through the previous shows during my drives to and from work, obtaining tips for our upcoming visit. Thanks for all you do. And he sent this email from the official and free WW Radio iPhone app. So, Becky, I love this email because he's spending 10 nights at the Polynesian, which is awesome. And... Yeah, Port Orleans uh, French Quarter very much has that Mardi Gras theme going uh, all year long. You can you can really get a sense of it as you walk uh, through the lobby, out towards the pool area, uh, inside the Sasagula Float Works. They've got all sort of the the giant Mardi Gras float heads, which are a little bit scary to me, but I like it nonetheless. <laughs> It's great theming, but of course, a little known fact, and it has been historically, hopefully they will continue this tradition, but um, over at Port Orleans, cast members uh, during Mardi Gras build floats out of golf carts. Have you ever seen that? I have not. It's so cool. The the floats are actually judged, and then they parade them through the grounds. Uh, During the parade, they actually throw little trinkets like beads and candy to the guests who line up to watch. Okay. We're we're putting this out right now. (laughs) Next year, during Mardi Gras, me, you, Port Orleans French Quarter, live broadcast of the Mardi Gras Parade. And beignets. Oh, they still have beignets. the beignets. So, yeah, it's, it's a date. If they're still doing it, historically they've done it. Hopefully they'll do it again this coming year, which I, I think is going to be around the end of, end of February, I believe, for Mardi Gras this year. I'm not exactly sure. But um, if so, we're yeah, we're there. See, and I almost started singing Dig a Little Deeper from Princess and a Frog or I'm ready. I'm psyched. I love this. All right. To the second part of his question. I like Claude. He's got Mardi Gras. He's got Polynesian. He wants the younglings to participate in the Jedi Training Academy over at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Looking for some tips to get them selected. Um, You know, obviously, Claude, you need to get there early. You need to get to the entrance of Star Tours early. It's a first come, first serve to sign them up. Um, It's for what they do is. They have a number of shows throughout the day where they choose 12 kids between the ages of 4 and 12. But once all those spots are filled for the time that you select or the time that's open, that list closes for the day. And if you do make it on, they'll have you come back to that area, the entrance over by Star Tours, about a half hour before showtime. They'll prep you. There's a photo pass photographer there who takes pictures during the show. Uh, My son is dying to do this and so is his father. 
But uh, I really like the fact that the Jedi Training Academy has that permanent stage over there and they do the show not just during Star Wars weekends, but all throughout the year. It really is fun to watch, too. It's so cute to see those teeny little kids take on Darth Vader. I love that show. And they do have the Jedi Training Academy robes for adults. Just saying. As if I don't have one already at home. Anyway, <laughs> uh, and I have got to put in the show notes... One of the best videos I've ever seen is, the, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but at one point there is a Dark Lord of the Sith that comes out and a little girl is supposed to fight Darth Vader and instead she kneels down before him. <laughs> it's awesome. It, it is awesome to uh, to see sort of her giving into the dark side at the tender age of five or whatever it is. So yeah, I'll put that, um, I'll see if I can link that video in this week's show notes. Anyway, uh, Jeff Luce, another email from the official and free WW Radio iPhone app, which is available on in the iTunes store. It says, Lou, I've wondered about the Disney Cruise Line. Oh, Becky, this is all you. Beer and wine package. Is it just oh, a convenience yes. factor or is there a dollar savings amount? Well, okay, this is kind of a long story that I'm going to try to make short. Um, they do have a beer and wine package on board that you can buy when you first board. And if you are interested in it, they sell them right when you board. As, as you're walking to lunch, the, the guys are right there with all the sign-up for the packages. Now, roughly, you can save around 20%. 20 to 25% depending on your habits, on your drinking habits. I can't believe I'm actually <laughs> saying that right now. But they have two packages. They have the classic package and the premium package when we're talking about wines especially. Um, most people are really focused in that area. It breaks out to roughly about $28 per day plus the 15% auto gratuity that they put on it. And when I'm saying per day, it means per bottle because you're getting one bottle a day that you can choose from. Each of them have a selection of sparkling red and a white and then it has a menu that you can choose from okay so if you're drinking a full bottle each night and you like the options that's the other thing too is you want to look at the available uh wines that that you can choose from because it might not be a, a winery that you particularly like that's going to totally you know blow the whole concept out of the water for you but if it's somebody you like and you drink one bottle one full bottle each night then it's going to be about 20% cheaper than buying a la carte <laughs> <laughs> have I have I stumped you here? No. Now, if you go to the premium, now the premium just I'm going to set that apart. The premium breaks out a little higher. It's about roughly forty three dollars per bottle slash per day plus the gratuity. So when you if you have any experience with buying a bottle of wine on board a ship, it is definitely more expensive than that than for the uh, premium label. So again, if you're if you're a real good wine connoisseur and you are going to drink a bottle. Um, at dinner or during the day, hopefully at dinner <laughs> per day, then this is a good a good package for you. I was just laughing because I was thinking about our cruise in the dream and wondering if there was sort of the, the Becky Mankin option, which is you get some sort of a voucher, you just pony up to the bar at Evolution and they bring you sunken treasures every five minutes until you pass out. Sunken treasures in Grand Marnier. That's, <laughs> that's all I need is a sunken treasure, a couple of those, the snifter of, of Grand Marnier. What? Hello? <laughs> Local wearing, come on. <laughs> I know my I, I know how many Grand Marniers I bought you on that cruise, so <laughs> we we need to move on because Okay, yes, yes we this do. Is, this we can need only to only go bad. But Vicky, 
uh, is writing all the way from London, England, and she's got a very, very important question because she is going to Disneyland next May, and as part of her honeymoon, since she says, since I am the connoisseur of food at Disney, she was wondering if I suggest could suggest a nice place to have an evening meal at Disneyland. She wants to do a meal at Goofy's Kitchen, was on my list, as her husby, her hubby loves everything Goofy, but she was thinking somewhere a little bit more romantic. And she's only been to Disneyland once when she was about two-ish, so she knows it's changed quite a lot. Any suggestions wow. would be fab, says Vicky. Vicky, my friend, you're speaking my language, sister. And uh, <laughs> although this is sort of outside the comfort zone of Walt Disney World, you've heard me talk about in the past, I love the dining options over at Disneyland. Absolutely. And everyone tends to gravitate towards Napa Rose. For if you're looking at something upscale and romantic, that's the one thing that always comes to mind for people. It's nice. It's won several awards. It's got a great menu. It's expensive and it's very upscale. Personally, if you're looking for something kind of romantic, I'm a real, I'm kind of in love with Steakhouse 55 mm -hmm. over at the Disneyland Hotel. That's one of my very favorite out-of-the-way kind of places to eat, which is, it's quiet, it's got a great menu, the prices aren't as expensive as Napa Rose, but you get a real quality meal there, and it's it's got that ambiance that's really cool, too, from the uh, the throwback days. Yeah, Napa Rose was on my list, Becky, but it wasn't first. Like, yeah. it was not the one that I put on there first. Uh, believe it or not, go with me here, Blue uh -huh. Bayou is... is For romantic? You know, it, if you get a spot by the water and you've got this little yeah. pirate boats, remember, uh, something else that's on my list, all right, so obviously I have things like Steakhouse 55 was there as well, mm -hmm. um, Storytellers Cafe even, right? depending on what you want. Um, but, you know, romance can be defined a lot of different ways. So Blue Bayou, if you're in the parks and you want to have sort of a nice meal and as you're sort of under the quote-unquote stars and outside. I like Blue Bayou, and I like the fact that it, it's dark and you sort of feel immersed in the theme park environment, but sort of in a little bit more of an upscale restaurant inside the parks. Mm -hmm. Again, expanding that definition of romance. Right. Go with me, okay, Vicky. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait for it. <laughs> you and your husband, you grab a corn dog at the Little Red Wagon on Main Street, USA, and you sit like little lovebirds on a bench watching the people go by and listening to the music of Main Street behind you as you chomp on your oh-so-very-delicious-and-tasty corn dog, that's romantic and cheap. <laughs> like me. Good no. point. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Now, I, I will go with you on the Blue Bayou thing. I had to think this one through because you're right. The atmosphere is it's gorgeous. It's, it's dark. You've got that whole in-theme in park um, location. It tends to be really crowded and very loud and noisy with, you know, there's a lot of families, a lot of things going on. So that's not in my mind what I think of as romantic, but if you have that, that atmosphere, it certainly is. Um, I would go with you on Storyteller Cafe as well, if you're looking for something more casual, but yet nice. Or I actually also like Catal in, in downtown Disney. Mm -hmm. That's a really nice little off to the side, a little more casual if you're not looking to spend the, the money that you would at Napa Rose or, or Steakhouse 55. So there's, a, as you can tell, a lot of great options in the Disneyland uh, resort area. And remember, romance is how you define it. You know, sometimes, Becky, romance is not a, a six-hour meal that you and I share at California Grill. It's a simple walk on the Polynesian beach as the electrical water pageant goes or, by. So, so I wasn't oh. kidding 
when I said corn dogs at Little Red Wagon on Main Street, USA. Well, yeah, you're right. You're, I mean, think about it. You can grab a couple of uh, a Diet Cokes and some popcorn and go over to Tomsar Island. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of opportunity there that um, just being together sometimes is, is romantic. Or opposite end of the spectrum, Club 33 with me and Becky will sponsor the meal by MEI and Mouse Fan Travel and we'll all have a romantic meal together. All four of us as part of your honeymoon. <laughs> wow. All right. You... you <laughs> You totally blew me off at Club 33 once. You think that's going to take you a while to get back. You're going to so this is going to take a while for you to come back into the graces of 33. When you were crying, when you proved that you had a soul and cried at Destination D while Richard Sherman plays, you looked at me and said, I understand. That was our secret. (laughs) That was our secret. You were not going to tell anybody that I cried. Can we move on now? We we could because we're going to move to Williamsburg, Virginia (laughs) and Carl Fredericks, a.k.a. Carl Fredrickson. Who said, Dear Lou and Becky, I finally followed your wise advice, and for the first time, I'm working with a vacation planner instead of calling Disney directly to reserve a resort room for my next trip to the world. My wife and I are a lot of anniversaries, 20 wonderful, glorious years together, I put that in there, and are leaving our three kids with the grandparents, taking the Becky advice. (laughs) See? (laughs) Nice. Speaking for grandparents out there everywhere. (laughs) It, you're not even a grandparent. You don't have kids. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you can't speak for the grandparents as if you are one. You've got no standing. Anyway, I'm an advocate. It is, I'm an it advocate is Carl's and his wife's first romantic vacation on their own in 17 years. They reserved a one bedroom unit at the Beach Club Villas in 2011. Love it. Michelle from MEI and Mouse Fan Travel is great, by the way, he says. And she told me that the Beach Club Villas is one of my favorite resorts. Carl, she is right. Uh, She thought, Becky, that you and I would have some great... He thought you and I would have some great insights. So, can you give me any advice on which rooms or parts of the resort you think are best? You'll see why I'm laughing. Should we ask for a pool view, a canal view, Epcot view, etc.? Do you think ground floor with a patio or upper floor with a balcony is better? Do any rooms that you know of have especially nice views of the sunset? Keep up the great work, you two. I love the email question shows, but you still need a catchphrase, Becky. How about M-E-I, I'll see you real soon. Keep moving forward. Well, you got the keep moving forward, and I think that's what he's actually saying to you, right? Right, right. Yeah. uh M-E-I, I'll I'll see you real soon. See you real soon. I can do see you real soon. That's an easy one. But then I'd have to put some country to it or, or come up with an accent but we'll work on that okay you have to come up with what countryness what well like the whole see ya thing i mean wow. well you do that wow. and, and that, that's also kind of moving on my head hurts already <laughs> i didn't mean it that way right, let's You're get so listen. good to twist my words okay Yay. we both love we both love beach club villas and you yeah. know because you've stolen it i have a favorite res- room that i like there which it, it is a favorite of mine <laughs> Whoa, 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 wait a minute. That's not the villas. That's the Beach Club Resort. He's talking oh, about the villas. villas. Oh, yes. Villas. Okay. Hello. <laughs> Pay attention to the detail. The, um, the villas is a whole separate building that's behind the resort. Right. My, right? But my point was we, you, you can like – there's different reasons why you might like a room. For some people, it's okay. the views. For some people, it's the proximity to the pool or the parks or the lobby. I'm trying to throw out the shiny objects so you not talk about the room. (laughs) (laughs) Don't talk about the room. Move on. (laughs) Go ahead. I'm not going to give my room away. Don't worry. Um, But yeah, I I mean, Carla, it it depends on 
you? You know, do you spend a, a, a enough time in your room that the view is important, or is the proximity to the lobby so you can go down to the marketplace or to the pool most important right. to you? Right. And then, of course, the same thing with the ground floor or the patio. Uh, a lot of people do like the ground floor, especially those who are around the pool, because then it's easy just to walk in and out and, and enjoy the, the pool atmosphere. Other people may like to sip their coffee on their balcony in the morning. And if you're in your robe, you may want the extra privacy that a balcony on a higher level um, provides. So it really does depend on what your personal idea is of what's best for you. Absolutely. I, I have a tendency because I spend very little time in my room, uh, normally just to be on the ground floor, you know, I need a bed and a shower and I'm off. So I'm not spending a lot of time. Although I will tell you that uh, there are some rooms there with some wonderful views, depending on how mm -hmm. high you are, depending on the angle that you are, of Stormalong Bay, of Crescent Lake. Uh, you can see the Epcot fireworks, <clears throat> excuse me, sometime in the distance. And here's your trivia question. Here's your trivia fact of the day, Becky Mankin. Wow. Disney's Beach Club Villas has the room, which is the closest resort room to a Disney theme park in it. And it's on the bottom, all the way far corner of Disney's Beach Club Villas. It is the closest room to a resort being close to the entrance of World Showcase at Epcot Center. I think it's room like 1501 or something like that. Wow, I'm going to have to, well, I, I knew that it was over in the corner, but I have no idea what the number is. And now we're going to have to find a map. And look it up. Or a willing participant to research that fact. Put me up there, us. then put me up <gasps> in the contemporary and Grand Florida, and I will measure the distances between all the rooms. Okay. Now, with the villas, however, the building in the back, there, are, there aren't as many view choices as you would have than you do with the resort itself. So... A lot of people do say that you have a, if you have a road view, then sometimes you'll be able to see the, the fireworks at Epcot. But honestly, if you're really looking for the fireworks, walk the 10 minutes <laughs> to, to actually go into Epcot to view them because you're going to have between trees and, and road noise and everything around you. It's really hard to get a, a really great view from the villa locations. So there are a few that have them, but they're few and far between. You will have uh, great views of the quiet pool in the back if you want to get uh, a pool view. Or they do have, of course, the, the road view, which you can see some of the Epcot if you get lucky. Um, but you're kind of or you'll, you'll be able to see some um, of the landscaping as well if you look, go to a standard view. Yeah, and if you don't want, if you don't maybe have a park hopper pass or you don't have a pass for every day, I know a lot of people, mm -hmm. Becky, sometimes will stand on the bridge over yeah. uh, by on Crescent Lake that takes you in between the boardwalk and the beach club promenade. So if you want to sort of you know meander out of your room, have a little drink, watch it from there without actually going into the park, you can do that as well. Not certainly yeah. perfectly an unobstructed view, but you can see the high fireworks anyway. Right, and out on the beach as well. So thanks so much for booking with us, and I appreciate the shout-out to Michelle. I'll be sure to give her a couple of kudos there, Carl. Awesome. Awesome. And to all the team at MEI and Mouse Fan Travel for all your vacation planning needs. And of course, to you, Becky Mankin, I want to thank you for coming and sharing your sage wisdom once again and helping answer these email questions. Had a, a wide variety today, a lot of intriguing ones. Again, I want to invite people, please yeah. come to this week's show notes. I want to share your thoughts. If you have a thought about one of the questions we answered, 
maybe some advice of your own. Certainly the question about uh, what Disney books you enjoy, about the history of the theme parks, and if you could have a fifth gate, what would you like it to be? Be as creative as you like, and you have you know you have room there that you can comment and uh, and share. And we will definitely revisit that topic once again. Oh, that would be so cool to look at for sure. It, it was so great to be back again, Lou. You know how much I enjoy this, even though you know now I, now I have to go to Amazon and go buy books. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> no books on tape. You actually have to physical books in your I'll library. Buy- I promise you, I'm on Amazon.com right now. I'm, I'm going to go send books. you a Walt Disney World trivia book. There's not a lot of pictures in there, but there's some pretty good information. <laughs> I, I hear the guy that wrote that was pretty, pretty, um, had a, a few. Witty and tall and incredibly charismatic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. And he eats uh, a lot. He hey, eats a lot, too, from what hey, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen, we're going to do this again soon. Again, don't forget, if you guys have questions about anything related to Walt Disney World or even Disneyland, the Disney Cruise Line, you can email me directly at lou at www.radio.com, and we will answer them on the show. Becky Mankin from mousefantravel.com. Thanks for joining us. Anytime, Lou. Well, I, I'm happy to be back anytime you want me, and I guess we'll see you real soon. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks again for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. Remember to please come by the website at www.radio.com to comment on this week's show. Click on the podcast link. Look for show number 229. If you want to be heard on the air, you can call the voicemail toll-free at 888-703-2171. Or if you have a question you want me to answer, you can email me directly at lou at www.radio.com. Lots of new content going on on the site. Again, don't forget about our three-day Disney charity auctions running from now until July 11th with all proceeds going to the American Red Cross for Japan Relief. The current auction includes a one-year subscription to Celebrations Magazine and a chance to join me and Tim Foster on the show for a future Top 10 segment. Check the blog for more information about that. Also, while you're there, be sure and check out our Disney Book Club posts. We're currently reading Pirates of the Caribbean, The Price of Freedom, and check out the videos as well. I just released a video from the Harmony Barbershop on Main Street USA and Walt Disney World. Lots more videos coming very, very soon. And also on the blog, check out our new blog content and contest called Our Homes Went Disney. I'm sure a lot of us go to the Disney parks and imagine how we can sort of bring that magic to our homes. Uh, I'm sure that was probably the inspiration for the HGTV show My Yard Goes Disney, where some lucky families have a team of Disney Imagineers come in and transform their backyards into a magical sort of Disney-like experience. And I think a lot of us also wonder, how can we do that? Or for some of us, it's we've done that too. For some people, it could be a Mickey topiary in your front yard, a poo mural in your baby's nursery. Some people have Disney drawer pulls in their kitchen, like 28 for a good friend of mine, hundreds of snow globes on display, or some of us have tried to set up sort of a mini archive in our home office. And yes, my quest continues. But however you celebrate going Disney, we want to celebrate it and showcase it in a new blog series and a contest. So each month, We're going to announce a new room or decoration type. It could be Halloween reflecting Disney or how your family room demonstrates your love of the Disney parks. It could be the most unique way to display some of your Disney memorabilia. Whatever it is, it's just showing how we demonstrate our love for Disney and sharing some great ideas for incorporating that love into our home. So for the first month, we're going to honor the inspiration behind the blog and the show by asking you to share how your yard has gone Disney. 
Is it a Tinkerbell-themed butterfly garden, some Mickey gnomes, or maybe a few hidden Mickeys in your garden as well? Whatever it might be, we want you to share that with us. We're going to post your photos on the blog and then ask our readers to vote on which family did the most magical job of going Disney. And that winning family is going to receive a WDW Radio prize package. So we're going to ask you to come by, check out the blog, and then send your pictures, no more than three, along with a short written description and maybe some hints for some people who want to maybe replicate what you guys did to Christy, C-H-R-I-S-T-Y, at www.radio.com. We'll take submissions for the first round until July 14th. Then on the 15th, we'll start some voting. And on July 23rd, we'll announce our first winner as well as our next room and theme. So go out. Have fun and enjoy. We can't wait to see your wonderful ideas for how you make your home go Disney. And again, I'll put a link in this week's show notes directly to that blog post where you can find out more. A couple of other quick announcements. Be sure and check out DisneyMeets.com for more information about upcoming Meets of the Month in Walt Disney World, as well as other Disney events going on around the country. Speaking of WW Radio Meets, our next meet is going to be Sunday, July 17th from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., over at the Starring Rolls Cafe over at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Come by, join us for some breakfast, say hi, we'll eat, meet, chat, have a few free giveaways as well. And also, Tim Foster from Celebrations Magazine and Guide to the Magic is going to be there as well, so please come by, say hi, and meet Tim as well. Speaking of Celebrations Magazine, to order back issues, subscribe, or get more information about this bi-monthly print magazine celebrating the magic of Walt Disney World put out by me and Tim, and of course, only thanks to a host of great contributors and photographers that make the magazine what it is. Check out celebrationspress.com for more information. You can also follow us over on Twitter. We are at Celebrations Mag. Speaking of events too, don't forget, we are going to be back at the D23 Expo again this year. We've got a bigger and better booth once again. So if you are going to be there, come by the Collectors Forum and say hi. We've got lots of surprises. There's a few special things that we're planning in store for those who are attending the Expo. If you can't make it out to Anaheim, remember, we're going to have full coverage once again, including live video broadcasting and chat from each day of the Expo and some surprises and things for those who follow along in the box as well. For more information, visit d23expolive.com. That's going to kind of be our home base online during the expo. There you'll also find the video window and the chat that we'll be using. And right now we have some videos from our 2009 visit to the expo, give you a sense of what's going on. And again, if you are going to be out there, please come by the booth. We're also going to have some meetups uh, at Disneyland, probably at Trader Sam's as well after the expo as well. Stay tuned to the WW Radio blog, Twitter, and Facebook for updates as we get closer. Quick thanks to my partners and sponsors, including Mouse Fan Travel. They are my official and recommended travel provider. Look, if you're going to Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line Adventures by... If it has Disney in the name, go to mousefantravel.com. Becky and her team will not only give you the best possible prices, an amazing level of personal service that is their hallmark. And again, it's all at no cost to you. Again, visit them at mousefantravel.com. When you are coming to Walt Disney World, maybe you want something a little different. Maybe you want your own pool and spa, complete kitchen, game room, multiple master bedrooms, and lots more. You can select from two-bedroom condos up to seven-bedroom homes by visiting allstarvacationhomes.com. When you're down in Walt Disney World, Head to Downtown Disney for lunch or dinner. Be sure and check out bongoscubancafe.com on Friday and Saturday nights. They got live music and dancing, great Cuban cuisine, 
indoor outdoor seating, three bars, an express window, and lots more. Again, they're right in downtown Disney. Or check them out online at bongoscubancafe.com. And if you want to stay right in the heart of Walt Disney World, one of my favorite places, as you know, you hear me talk about Blue Zoo and Il Molino and Shula's and the Heavenly Beds, you can find all those right at the Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin. You can check them out over at swananddolphin.com. As always, my friends, if you like the show, all I ask is that you please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Share the link on Facebook and please come by. Review the show and the WW Trivia and free WW Radio iPhone apps over on iTunes. And I have to say quick, happy Independence Day for all of those who are celebrating here in the United States and around the world. Please remember that this freedom came and remains at a price. So please thank the people you know or meet in the armed forces, those serving overseas, and the families of those of them who make those sacrifices as well. And of course, my friends, and you are my friends, whether we have met or not, I want to thank you for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. So until next time, remember to start pursuing your passion and following your dreams. And when you do, always keep moving forward. Have a great week, everybody. See ya. Hi, Lou. Jen Tremley from Bristol, Connecticut, calling. Just finished listening to this week's show, 228, uh, which is your interview with uh, Disney legend Jack Lindquist. Um, I just wanted to say once again, you, you, you hit it out of the park. Uh, I thoroughly enjoy your uh, podcast every week. However, when you interview the, uh, the Disney legends, it's just uh, something special. And I can tell, even though I'm just listening to your interview um, over the computer, that how much it really meant uh, to you to sit down with these folks and how much it means to them to be able to share their stories of their you know, past history with working for the Walt Disney Company. Uh, with, with, you know, people like us that are just thoroughly absorbed and mesmerized with the Walt Disney experience. And I just, uh, I really appreciated the interview. I think you did a wonderful job. Uh, Jack was, you know, entertaining and just, you know, just seems like a wonderful man, uh, even though I've never uh, personally met him. Um, I'm curious to read his book. I have not um, read it, and nor was I very familiar with it. So, um, I'm happy to, to report that I am going to be getting a copy of that and uh, hopefully be able to uh, flip through it when I get a chance and, and learn a little bit more about his experience with the company. Um, but it sounds like you guys had a great time at Pacific uh, Northwest Mouse Meets. Um, us up here in Connecticut, uh, I wish that we would do something locally up here, um, but that's a whole nother ball ballgame. Um, but anyway, um, just again, thanks for everything, uh, as always, and hopefully I look forward to meeting you someday, and keep up the great work, have a great week, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Hey, Lou. Hey, this is Kent from Alabama. I am uh, in the Magic Kingdom today, standing between the Philhar Magic and the Carousel, as we speak, and I'm on my seventh day of our family vacation. Uh, got fumes to get home on, but we've had a good time. It's been an awesome time. And I highly, highly recommend uh, anybody coming down here, if they're going to spend some money on some gifts, to go ahead and go ahead and go for the big, uh, uh, the big premier passport or the, the premium pass holder. Uh, saved us a whole lot of money. But anyway, it's been great. Uh, enjoy the show. And uh, that's all I had to say. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, Lou. I was just catching up on podcasts and listening to the one on the Wonders of Life Pavilion and the Lindquist interview, both of which were just great. I didn't uh, start my Disney obsession until 
age 45 when I went to the park in the year 2000. And uh, so there's so many of those kinds of things I haven't seen. I mean, referring to the Wonders of Life Pavilion, but it was so cool to hear you guys talk about it, explain it, and just uh, sort of catch the gist of it through your uh, through the show. So I always love the Wayback Machine, and we just appreciate you so much, and thank you for all you do, man. Tim uh, in Swanee, Georgia. Bye-bye. Hey, Lou. It's Scott from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Listener since show 15. I just got back from a Disney graduation trip. I graduated high school in May, and talk about best graduation present ever. We went on the Disney Dream and then spent a week in Walt Disney World. Wow, the dream was incredible. All the new technologies were really neat, and even though there were twice as many people on the ship than the other two, none of the spaces really felt too crowded. We ate and ate and ate, and since I was finally 18, my parents took me to Remy, and boy, that was that was unsurpassable. Food was delicious, and we had fun looking for all these hidden Remy's with our waiter around the restaurant. Um, then one other morning, I was looking at this huge model of the dream ship in the concierge lounge, and I noticed a big bar and sun deck right above where the goofy golf is. You can't see it from anywhere on the ship, so I asked a cast member, and he started telling me about the cast areas around the ship, like, on the Dream, the cats have their that own bar and sun deck above the Goofy Golf Place, but they put up this huge white wall so no, the, the guests can see it. And he's talking about how there's also three nightlife areas below the ship, along with their own dining hall. That was, I thought that was pretty neat. But then we were, but then we started talking about the new Fantasy ship, and he started telling me that on the Fantasy, everything will be pretty much the same as the Dream, except for a new pool at the very front of the ship where that that big blue circular lounge chair is on the Dream. And he said there were rumors that they would even take out the, f- the wood floor between the Mickey and the Donald pools, creating one huge pool. I thought that would be pretty cool. And he also said that in 2014 and 2015, Magic and the Wonder are going down for some major refurbishments. And he said they would be adding things like a nursery, like they don't have, but they do on the Dream, and then other new technologies that have been added to the Dream and Fantasy. And, yes, he even said they're adding aqueducts to both the Magic and the Wonder. That would be awesome. But, anyways, I just thought I'd share the good news I heard on the Dream, and I'll be looking forward to seeing how the fantasy and the refurbishments turn out. So, thanks for all you do, Lou. You work way too hard, but I know you love what you're doing. And keep up the fantastic work, and I hope to meet you next time I'm down there. Thanks again. See ya. Hey, Lou. Hey, Kent from Alabama calling again. Uh, I have moved down to... Uh, uh, I'm now in front of uh, Peter Pan, and it's a small world. wanted to throw one other thing. We've been down here for seven days and have not gotten bored one moment. I uh, went over to uh, uh, Beaches and Cream last night. Did not go for the kitchen sink, but uh, still had a good time. Highly recommend it to anybody. It's not hard to get to. It's right across from uh, downtown Disney. But uh, just want to let everybody know, too, you can come down here seven days and not at all be bored. You may be broke, but you won't be bored. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks again. Bye-bye. You've got a friend in me. Yeah.